Hello, and welcome to the Pirates Podcast, to be named later, here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. My name is Alex Dumfin, filling the role of Eddie Provenant today, tonight. We're doing this at one take. <laughs> is Justice Delo Santos, beat reporter for MLB.com. Welcome to the show, finally. I'm glad that you introduced me and you didn't make me introduce myself because I was going to make you do it. Also, can we just address, I have... You've been in my apartment. Yeah. I I literally fed you today. Yes. Made you some chicken adobo with some rice. He did. Classic Filipino staple. It was good. Give it. He doesn't even need to give it a 2080 grade. You know it was an 80. And you're just now having me on the podcast. I'm upset. This is more than a year in the making. I'm very upset. This should have been like week three at the minimum. I think I've had Jake on twice. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do that. I, I replaced it. You had it on twice. That's so good. Well, yeah. in my in my defense, though, Jake knows ball. He he had, yeah. he, he had Jake called Jeremy Pena winning the World Series MVP like the first day of the playoffs. That that was ridiculous. I have no claims to fame. I don't know ball in any capacity. I don't know why you would listen to me. I'm, aside from the fact that I <laughs> I'm here every day, that's that's my only qualification. Well, no, we're listening to you today. Because I just came from Indianapolis this week to talk to Andy Rodriguez, and you just came from uh, Bowie, 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 Maryland. Bowie. That's what they named the town after. Where uh, you talked to Henry Davis, yes, sir, of the Altoona Curve. So, as all of Pittsburgh wonders, what's going on with Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis? Let's talk about it. Let's we talk just about did. it. How convenient! It's almost like we planned it like this. We didn't. <laughs> Don't give me that much credit, but no, that's... Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know that Altoona was in Bowie until the Baltimore series, and I was like, oh, they're there. Yep. I can go talk to Henry when I'm there. So this is this is not something that was uh, orchestrated weeks in advance. This is something that was very pain, like hastily made yeah. in the last, like, maybe an hour. Well, you know what has been, you know, worked on for over weeks now? is Indy Rodriguez's, you know, his pathway to get to the major leagues. Yes. That's been very much set in place. I talked to him about it in Indy. You can read the full story on uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. And I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was I asked, he's 22, 23, I can't remember exactly. Young, early 20s. Early 20s. Early 20s. Young man, very talented. And I'm like, so is it tough being patient, you know, to be up in the major leagues? And he's like, no, I'm, I know everyone in Pittsburgh thinks I should be up in the majors right now, but I think this is best for me right now to like learn how to be a catcher. So justice, I ask you, how am I supposed to interpret that whenever I personally want to see Andy Rodriguez up in the major leagues? I think he's, I think the bat's pretty much ready. I, he's got his timing back now. The stats are a little off, but right now, I want to see Andy, but whenever he says, no, not yet, do I have any ammunition to say, like, yes, yes, Andy Rodriguez now. I am banging the tables for it. No, no one should ever listen to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I personally understand coming as someone that's pretty, like, that's roughly the same age as Andy, and, and apples to oranges, baseball writing to playing the game in general, but I can understand the rationale as to why he would say something like that, because 
in the spectrum of this season, like what is going to be best for the 2023 Pittsburgh Pirates? Yes, it would make a lot of sense for Andy Rodriguez to be up here in some capacity, whether that's having him alongside Hedges and Delay, whether that's finding him at a super utility role, whether it's you know, some combination of those things. But I think the thing to remember with Andy Rodriguez is in terms of bringing a playoff team back to Pittsburgh, you're not necessarily thinking like, you don't want to necessarily rush that process. It's it's and and this is not to say that he's not ready. I think that if you dropped him in tomorrow and you were like you're going to go catch Mitch Keller, I think he would be fine. Mm-hmm. I think you give him a couple of weeks. I think he'll get up to speed of the major league game. But I think that the important thing to remember with Andy Rodriguez in regards to those comments is you're thinking about how he's going to fit into this team going forward. Like you don't want to compromise. Andy Rodriguez long-term, he doesn't want to compromise himself, like have him come up a couple weeks early in 2023 if it maybe compromises 2024, 2025, 2026. Now, again, I personally believe if you dropped him into a major league game right now, he'd be ready. And if you gave him from, what's today? If you gave him from May 19th till the rest of the season and said, Andy, you are going to get consistent major league at-bats in some capacity, I think he did. I don't know like what that would look like, but... I saw this man hit two home runs in Altoona last year, one from the left side, one from the right side. That just, like, those types of dudes do not fall off a tree. No. They just don't. Oh, no, he's special. Yeah. He's, my, he's genuinely special. My favorite part, my, my favorite thing that I learned about Andy, just from, like, a special perspective, is I was talking to Henry about him during spring training. And Henry, like, ever so casually mentioned to me that Andy can also throw left-handed. And I know, like, like he can throw with his left hand. And I don't, I didn't ask, like, how, like, if he's, like, throwing darts over to second, but, like, that's just the type of dude he is. And, like, we hear those types of stories, like, sometimes, like, I think Vince Velasquez had that moment when he was in Philly, like, he got, like, a line drive off his right arm and then just fired it with his left arm to get the out. Like, yeah, like, these are some of the most talented dudes in the world. But he, he is special in, in regards to that aspect. And, you know, whatever form that it takes, whether it's like a full-time catcher, super utility guy, I think there will be a level of success when he gets up there. But I think the way that he internalizes it is you know, you're thinking of, you're thinking long, so you're not thinking short-term. And if he personally thinks that he can benefit from a couple more weeks in Indianapolis or one more week or one more day, who are we to say? Yeah, I and I get it. And the big thing for him was, you know, learning the pitcher-catcher like how to call a game, how to do all that stuff. And, and that's a big part, and that's something we're going to talk about later with Henry Davis. But John Baker acknowledged that the Pirates have two really great guys who do that in, in the major leagues right now in Austin Hedges and Jason DeLay. I think you could do some of that development with him just being in that catcher's room and just being able to learn how to do game planning from like Jason DeLay. It said how much, you know, he's grown, how much he's benefited having Austin Hedges, you know, in the catching room, you know, being able to game plan and learn from that. And it's why not, you know, have him up there sooner? Is he really going to learn that much more, you know, mapping out game plans with Caleb Smith rather than, you know, being around the type of guys that you want him to be. If his biggest point of his development are the intangible parts of the catching position and two great guys are in the major leagues for that. I mean, 
Yeah. Again, yeah. if he says he's not ready, I can't do anything with this yeah. anymore. Again, <laughs> going going back to the point that me and you both agree on, like I think if it was if it was maybe up to us and we were just like, hey, like what would be the decision? Would you want Andy in the major leagues right now or have him a couple weeks? I think if you dropped him in right now, he would be a serviceable major league player. And like having him in that catching room with Austin Hedges and Jason Delay, that would do a lot for his development. And it's it's kind of just a matter of I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious as to like what the timeline looks like. Cause one of the things that like Shelton has mentioned a lot in regards to delay specifically is delay has learned a lot from just being around hedges. And yeah, even if you're, even if you bring up Henry right now in a capacity where it's like, maybe he's not catching every day, but you know, he's having the opportunity to be around those guys that would help. But it's kind of one of those things where on the flip side of that, it's, there, there's the intangible part of it, but then there's also just like the physical traits that you can't really reproduce if he's here right now with hedges and delay. And this is not to say, like, again, I, I want to constantly reinforce this. I think that like Andy Rodriguez can contribute to the team right now. This is just me trying to you know, play counter arguments and arguments. Is that if you bring him into the equation right now, you kind of have to figure out how to get him those consistent reps because the game calling is part of it being that armchair psychologist is part of it, but it's also squatting down like four or five times a week or, you know, learning how to frame or like, just like all everything, all the He's, physical parts that come with being a catcher. Yeah. Not necessarily learning how to frame. That's just, the yeah, I was going to say like that type of frame. stuff, a lot of, yeah. like uh, Jordan Comedina uh, on Twitter, during spring training, like gave a great breakdown of like everything that he does right, you know, from the physical side of it, which is great. Like he, he's a plus framer, in my opinion. He does a lot of things well. He's got a strong arm. I think it's really just the intangible parts, like they're saying. And yeah, you, you got to catch every day. You got to catch a lot to learn that also. But I think you can also catch whatever there's an opportunity at the major leagues. I, I can't, I can't ignore the fact that in a month we're going to be saying how there's an opportunity to catch in the major leagues for these two guys, but there isn't right now. Like, is anything really going to change in this month other than, you know, the potential for like an injury or whatever? Like, I, I don't think so. Austin Hedges is Austin Hedges. Jason delay is Jason delay. They're going to give you these great traits off the field and delays hitting right now, but Austin Hedges is not going to produce that much on offense. What is going to change? Is Hedges' defense going to fall off? No. Is his, you know, off the field work going to fall off? No. Is his back at a heat up? Probably not. So what's going to change in a month? I don't know how old we are, I guess. <laughs> how many games the Pirates have played? There we go. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, the, with, like, with what you're hitting on. It's, I think if you... If you go like grand scheme, if you go like one month, a couple weeks isn't going to, it's not going to sink or swim their careers. But that being said, I think that Andy is at a point where, again, if you throw him into the major leagues right now, he'd be fine. He would figure stuff out. And the general impression that I've gotten with Andy, as well as Henry, is that they're like super good head on both of their shoulders. Like, they are the type of guys that, like, even if they were to initially struggle when they come up here, which is a very realistic possibility considering that they're both 20-somethings, I think that they have the fortitude to figure it out. I think the way that they process the game is very, 
in terms of like some of those intangibles, like is very encouraging. And just like the, the raw talent that you see, it's like, it's, it's stuff that is very encouraging. And again, I think we're both agreeing on this. Like I would not mind if tomorrow Andy Rodriguez was catching Mitch Keller. And I'm just very curious as to like, what is the point going to be exactly where the front office says, Hey, this is, this is kind of the time. And I don't know if there's an exact number. I know that Ben Sherrington said on 93.7 fan this past Sunday that, you know, there was no magic number, so to say, as to how many games he would want Andy to catch, but probably more than 18, yeah. which was how many games he played at the time. I want to say it's up to 21, 22 now. Games it has to be, yeah. So, again, I, I believe, I firmly believe in the talent of Eddie Rodriguez, and I'm very curious as to kind of when they make that determination, what they see specifically that leads them to want to call him. But I also am just curious as to how they, you know, not only handle Andy, but kind of what they do in terms of hedges and delay kind of in the short term, because in all, like, let's be real. Andy is more, it's, it's far more of a foundational piece than hedges or delay, but there are things that both hedges and delay can do to help Andy. Yeah. So it's, yeah. but it's like, but you, but having those three catchers on the roster, it's like, you can't, that's not really the most tangible thing in the world, especially if you want him to catch every day. So I'm very curious as to how they go about that, especially with the fact that delay has shown himself to be a very serviceable backup catcher. Yeah. Jason delay, which is crazy. League baseball yeah. Which is crazy considering he was like about a week away from quitting last year after essentially being a bullpen catcher in triple a. So I'm very curious as to how they handle all of this, but again, Ball was in my court. Get him up here sooner rather than later. Yeah. And we're going to keep going in a little bit here. But before we close out this first segment, uh, Michael asked, have the pitchers in Indy been praising Andy game calling? Uh, cards on the table, Michael. I only got to talk to Quinn Priester, you know, any any sort of in-depth. But he really swore by him. I read the article for, like, the full – for the full uh, details of it. But Quinn Priester gives a very enthusiastic thumbs up or Eddie's game calling. Pretty good guy to have on your, you know, on your side there. We're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, Henry Davis. take your breaks that's how we take the breaks here i thought you were actually gonna break to something we're live streaming dude we can't take that long of a break man i don't know how you i don't i've been out of the, the live streaming game all right well you, you see my videos they're i've very, seen your videos they're very, they're very edited i'll be on premiere pro in the late hours of the night be like 12 30 just like cutting and dragging and color correcting whenever i did the last the slice in for me in dunedin in 2022, whatever we did the first. Oh one, yeah, 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 yeah. When we it's did like, one in Cincinnati, that yes, when we did that, that one slick. in Cincinnati. Yeah, shout out to the the multi intro to multimedia class I took in the summer of 18 that introduced me to a Premiere Pro. I won an award in that class. I had like the best edited like documentary, which is kind of short. It's like five minutes, but that's somewhere in my <laughs> back home in the Bay. That it's a little award, my professor. My multimedia class, I bought the wrong textbook and I never bought the set, the right one because I didn't want to spend the money. 
I think I still got a B without the textbook, which I just want. That's Point Park University right there, baby. Hey, <laughs> I'm not saying neither. That's neither here nor there. Anyhow, Henry Davis. Henry Davis. You just talked to him. I did. So and this is going to be uh, part of the newsletter. This is. So I'm, I'm coming out tomorrow afternoon. So that'll be Saturday. Yes. This okay. is coming out Saturday afternoon at some point. Okay. Uh, specific time to be determined and. Kind of as a result of that, I want to I'm gonna tease y'all a little bit. I don't want to give away. You, you don't. You don't. I forgot who said it. Someone in the industry was like, "Don't tweet out your articles." Like in like, don't tweet out the information. Save it for the article. So I'm gonna do that a little bit of that here. I'm gonna give y'all something. I'm gonna give y'all something. But let's talk Henry Davis. Let's talk Henry Davis. In double A out something. Yes, we are. You you tease me on what what the big thing. The, the little atom bomb here. Little atom bomb? Yeah. What's, maybe not an atom bomb, maybe, like, there are ripples coming out of this. Okay. Yeah, I, the, the one thing that I, one of the parts I will mention, and it, it honestly shouldn't come as that much of a surprise, especially if any of y'all had read what I had written from Altoona's Media Day back in April, whenever that was, another lifetime ago. But, I'll start with that that day there. Effectively, the big thing that Henry said that day at Media Day a couple weeks ago, a month ago, was he wants to be in Pittsburgh. Yeah. That no one in that AA clubhouse wants to be in Altoona. They want to be in Pittsburgh. And when I talked to Henry, he still wants to be in Pittsburgh. That has not changed. But, you know, I told, I floated him, I kind of floated the idea where I, I brought up the fact that, like, hey, there's a lot of people that want you in AAA Indianapolis. You've been performing well to warrant, yet in a vacuum, to warrant that promotion. I kind of floated that idea. And he said, my thoughts are not with Indianapolis. I, he said, I'm not thinking about Indianapolis. And he's not thinking about Greensboro or Bradenton or the Complex League either. He's thinking about Pittsburgh. And... Kind of considering how well he's been playing, kind of considering his profile, college guy, he's about 24 now. Mm -hmm. I know that because we are the same age. And how well he's been playing. Could Henry Davis just not go to Indianapolis? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's, we've seen it a, a lot of times where people will just, you know, just straight up make that transition from double A to the majors. It's something that's become increasingly more commonplace. It's going to triple A does not necessarily have to be the path that you take in order to make it to the majors. And again, everyone's path is different. Everybody's path is going to have their own nuances. But when I see what Henry has been able to do with double A Alton right now, like you can dive into a lot of different stats. to just it like the slash line is a slash line. As of recording, leads the Eastern League in OPS. Pretty good. Leads in WRC+. Plus. Pretty good. But the one thing that's really stuck out to me, and this is a point that Calix Crab, the Altima's manager, had brought to me, is that his whiff rate has just like plummeted. It's around like 17%. Um, when I checked Fangrass, his swing strike rate was at the bottom. His walk rate is like 17%, and his strikeout rate is like 17%. Like When you look at that, it's clear that he he has completed the level like he like S grade. I'm, I'm like getting like Matt like 
flashbacks to when I played like the Sonic the Adventures game and they give you like a grade every single see Alex doesn't think I'm a gamer I, I, I hide a lot of the nerd stuff that I do from Alex because I'll watch <laughs> so like he is he's cleared the level and it's, it's very much clear that in terms of hitting the baseball there's not much more that he needs to accomplish at double A now the big thing is like of course if you bring him to triple A, then you have to kind of juggle Andy and Henry and figure that equation out. Like how much does each one catch? And kind of going back to our conversation about Andy, it's, you know, if he was to go to the majors, it would kind of be a little bit of the same thing. And you have to figure that out. That being said, he definitely does fit the profile of someone that can instantly yeah. like, like make that jump. Like if like we talked about, you know, Andy being able to make that transition hitting wise from triple A to the majors. I could also see Henry making that transition from double A to the majors and being fine and hitting. You give him from, if you were to give him from May to the 19th, May 20th onward, the rest of the season, I think he's going to be an above average here. Whether that's, you know, primarily as a DH or primarily as a catcher, maybe even a sprinkle of right field in there too. I think it's going to be more than a sprinkle. Regardless of what position that he plays in, we can get to that in a second. I think he's going to hit. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I've ever seen a Pirates prospect this side of, like, I don't know, Kutch. It's like, this guy's just going to hit at the major league level. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to stick a catcher. I don't know if this right field experiment is going to work. I don't know if he's going to just be a DH or whatever, but I'm, I – I have done the Doctor Strange. I've looked into 14 million futures, and Henry Davis has a WRC plus of 100 or above in all but one. So that's kind of where I'm at. With like the guy can hit, and I don't know if you've gotten this comp before. I've gotten it a couple times where it's like he's Cal Schwarber, you know, someone who caught in college. He caught in college. Incredible raw power. Probably will have to go to a quarter or outfield or first base or something along the way. Like, don't tell Henry that. Like, he's convinced he's going to be a catcher. He can't do it. I, I don't want to sound like I, you know, I'm, I'm downplaying this also. But as we talk about, like, how important it is for Endy, how important he feels it is for him to be in the minor leagues to continue to build that relationship, same thing's going on with Henry right now. What he's going on. I, I, I'm going to shout out uh, Jared Prugar here since he's, you know, watching right now and wondering where the donuts are. <laughs> uh, he just wrote about this for the Altoona Mirror also about like what the process has been for him, you know, learning to catch. And that's kind of the same spot. And we could just hit on the same arguments, you know, that we had an ND of like, well, you got two great catchers who can teach, you know, right now. Yeah. You know, so, so I, I, I'm with you that I think they're, that Henry absolutely fits that profile of the type of player that could just skip Indianapolis and go straight from double A to the majors. I mean, if Jack Swinski can more or less do it, you know, with far less, and not just, you know, say Swinski's the worst player. Uh, his pedigree wasn't as high though. No. So like if anyone could do it, it is probably Henry Davis. The guy can hit. Just don't mess with Indianapolis at this point. Like just find a way to get him into the lineup. You could do it. DH. First base, right field, catch. It doesn't really matter. He, I, I get, I get the endy 
you know, he has to catch every day. Henry, I want the bat. I'm greedy. I'm greedy here. I just want to see him hit in the major leagues because I'm convinced he can do it right now. Yeah. It's kind of like that, uh, the tired having Henry at double A and having Andy at triple A <laughs> wired, having Henry in the Patriots and having Andy at triple at A. And honestly, it kind of goes to both of them. Like if they called both of them up tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, yeah, figure it yes. out. You can figure it out. What a wonderful problem to have. Yeah. And that, that's like the whole, the whole thing with both of them being catchers. If they were like any other position, any other position, if they were infielders or outfielders, like you could figure it out. Maybe with the exception of like, if they were both third basemen, like being there but like if they were both if it was like a shortstop and second baseman or they were both shortstops okay move one to second base they were both center fielders okay move one to the corner there's only one there's only one catcher position which is it's just it's again it is a good problem to have because this was something that baker i think it was either baker or it was charrington you can find like one offensive catcher yeah, you're solid. You yeah. have like you have potentially two of them, and I've thought of like so many, like all the different scenarios in which this could kind of play out. Like assuming, like, like let's just say it's like Andy Henry. Like, let, like let's for, like let's go in a vacuum. Let's forget for the time being Austin Hedges and Jason Delay. If you have a scenario where hypothetically, like you have Andy Rodriguez as the primary catcher, and you can have Henry move the right, that's a scenario that is within the realm of reason. If you have a scenario where Henry is the everyday catcher and you just turn Andy into a super utility guy where he can play second, left, first base, catcher, whatever positions you want to throw him at. That's another scenario. If you want to just have one where maybe Henry is more of a DH slash right fielder, there's a lot of different scenarios that you can kind of like mix and match with. But I, I will go, there was a quote that Calix had in regards to Henry specifically, you can hit, they will find a spot for you. Yeah. And whether, like, whether that's a triple A right now or whether that's at major league level, you can hit, like, I confidently, I feel confident in saying, like, if you were to drop Henry in the major league right now, I think by the end of the season, he would, at the minimum, be at least 100 WRC plus guy, if not like 110. I can see that scenario happening, but it's just a matter of how do they want to how do these dominoes fall? How do they want it to shake out? When does the timing kind of align? Who jumps where? Things of that nature. Yeah. And just like from a, like, <laughs> I'm going to echo another point that Calix said. I'm glad that I'm not one, the one making these decisions because these are hard decisions. Like they're, e- they're easy in a sense and they're simultaneously hard. It's like easy. It's like, yeah, let's get them up. They're hard from like, okay, what do we do from there? We got like, let's just say like Andy Henry, you're in the majors now. All right, how do we figure this out from there? Like, I'm glad I'm not the one handling that because you got two super talented dudes that play a premium position, and it is a good problem to have, but it is a problem nonetheless. It's a good problem to have. Good problem to have. Those are good to have. We're going to take one more break. Whenever we come back, Justice is going to answer your baseball questions if you haven't left them already. Yeah. Me? Yeah. We're answering it right now. I just want them better, right? So if you have any, leave them in the comments section. We're going to roll through them. 
Welcome back to the Pirates Podcast, to be named later. Justice, you didn't know this was happening. We're going to go through some questions. Terrifying. How were you as a Little League baseball player? Uh, how was I? Uh, you know, middle of the order bat, racked up the homers, racked up the RBIs. Let's actually see if I can, you know, okay, I don't have a Little League photo. I think you know which photo I'm going to pull up. Do, do I need to vamp for you to find this photo? No, I know exactly where this photo is in my camera roll. If you give me like about 10 seconds. So I don't have... It's called vamping. You just make up a term? Whatever. Whatever. So I don't have any photos from when I was in Little League, but I do have photos from when I was in high school. And this is the photo that I've shown you a lot. So here we go. Here we go. That's that's what I was like. That's that's where I was at. (laughs) That's freshman year of high school. That's the kid that won MVP. That's freshman year of high school. I gotta show them a better photo. Of this this is, one right here. Look at that. The high socks. Maybe, well, I mean, that's the only way you can wear it a little. Maybe like one ten, soaking wet. <laughs> but yeah, I was. Thinking about little league makes me just miss baseball, period. But to answer the question truthfully, like I was very like stereotypical, like second baseman, like. Very contact oriented, didn't strike out a lot. Would try to steal bases whenever I was on base, but you know, there's a reason I, I hung up the cleats. There's a reason for it, unfortunately. You were cute as a kid. What the hell happened? <laughs> I ask myself that same question every single day. I wake up, look in the mirror, and say, "Damn, what the hell happened?" Uh, I was cute as hell. This is a podcast. And they're all deaf now. Uh, using Kutcher's elite off batter. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. So far. Yeah. That's a, that's also going to be in my newsletter. Stay for the end of that. There we go. You you come for Henry, you stay for McCutcheon. Castro only taking reps against left-handed pitchers lately. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, thumbs up. Left-handed swing has been a work in progress all year, especially with the left, lower half. I will say this. I'm very curious as to, not necessarily as a platoon, but I'm very curious if they've floated the conversation of right-handed only. They did the yeah. same thing with Cole Tucker last year, right before he got optioned. And Castro's lefty-righty splits are very dramatic, except the opposite, where it's he is like 900 OPS as a righty. And I mean, small sample, but yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very curious. I don't think he's necessarily a platoon bat per se, but I would be very curious as to how he performs against right-handed pitchers as a right-handed hitter. He, Herrera, I mean, position player. Don't put too much stock into it, but he batted right-hander, right-handed against uh, the right-hander I'm putting, position player. I'm putting absolutely zero stock into that. I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> whenever we check baseball reference 20 years from now, the splits, there is going to be right versus right with him. Alex, if I am, this is no disrespect to Rodolfo Castro. But if I'm checking Rodolfo Castro's 2023 splits yes. in the year 2043 as a 44-year-old man, presumably with a wife and kids. Not according to a joyer. Seek help. Seek help. Seek help for me. Yeah. Blake Sable, oversight. He's been hitting well. He has been hitting well. Should he have been rostered? I think that the, the rationale, and I honestly, I, and this is just kind of speculation on my part, I think that it would have made sense to bet on Blake Sable not making the opening day roster. I think that in a, in 
I think that's that would have been a fair bet to make. And obviously, the, the bet is not paid off. Because it, for, for those of you who aren't like familiar with the nuances of the Rule 5, if a guy is not on the 26-man rosters for the entire year, they have, they have to be offered back to the team for like whatever amount of money it is. And considering Sable's profile and how well Joey Bart and company were supposed to be, I don't think it was a, a huge gamble, especially because of the Giants in particular. But, I mean, he's got like a, what, 115 WR or OPS plus or WR plus, plus pitch framer, yeah. He, he if I was to tell, we're, we're going to see Blake next week, presumably in San Francisco. And I kind of want to go into the visit home clubhouse and ask him, like, hey, could you imagine getting a Dwayne Kuyper walk-off call? Like, if I was to tell, like, the 2022 version of yourself, like, could you imagine this? I don't think you would imagine it. But, I mean, it doesn't help to – it It can't, like, hurt to have a catcher outfield. Yeah. I, I like Blake. I mean, he's a good dude. Like, you know, interacting with him. Yeah. Uh, very talented young player. And you – Rodriguez and Henry Davis. You can't keep all the young catchers. Some guys like this are just going to fall through and feel good, feel happy for them that they are succeeding in their major league dreams. If the Pirates get back up to 10 games over 500, do we start talking about the playoffs? Sure. Yeah, honestly. You got to believe. Like, let's just say, so what are they right now? They're 24 and 20. So a realistic way for them to get back like 10 game over 500 is... They have to, like, I don't think they're going to rattle off, like, six straight wins. I don't know, like, 16 and 10. Is that, does that math make sense? That'd yes, be that six ma- games if, over 500. If they go, like, 16 and 10, that brings us to... The middle of game, June. That brings us to game 60, I think. Yeah, because they played 44 games. So, if they're 10 games over 500... <laughs> you were so close. You were so close. <laughs> uh, don't check what school I went to. I didn't. I wasn't STEM. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but if you're set, if 70 games in, no, that's 60. 44 plus oh, 26. <laughs> it's, you doubled down. You doubled down. Can we clip this? Yeah, we clip, no, we're clipping this. Yeah, but I, yeah, I've got so many clips from this one. Don't yeah, worry. If if they're if 70 games in, they're 10 games over. Five 500, absolutely. Have the conversation. I think that after, like any team can rattle off a very not any team, but it's not uncommon for teams to rattle off a month like they did April. And they've talked about how like a twenty and nine pace was not sustainable. And I also don't think that whatever pace they had to begin what was like two and ten, whatever pace that was, that pace wasn't sustainable either so i think they're kind of falling back into a healthy medium but if we get 70 games in they're 10 games over 500 yeah let's have that conversation 10 games over 500 this team is definitely in the playoff discussion yes and the big one today where are the donuts who said who is they it is a night game it, it, it's it's, it's a, not called night game ma- donuts. It's called day game donuts. Many yeah. many people are saying donuts. Alex Alex wants a donut. Where, where are the donuts, Justice? Where are the donuts? Well, they're probably in the on deck circle. Have I ever We're told- having Jake on like five times before you come back. <laughs> Have I ever told you like the origin of like why I started doing that? No, tell me. So we know that the day games suck. 
Yes. I mean, for the fans, they're like, like some of my favorite Jake games suck for media. We have a long yeah. night. Whatever we write, we know is not going to get no. as much shelf life because there's an immediate game the next day. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a super, so for those of you, I don't think for those of you is like super cocky. I don't, I don't like that, but essentially the way that like a, a beat reporter schedule kind of functions is a series is night game, night game, day game. And from like night game to night game, like you can, you can sleep a decent amount. Like I will usually wake up around like 10, 11 because of how wonky our schedule is, but night game to day game, maybe going to sleep around like 12, 30, one o'clock, having to wake up at eight, eight 30 to get ready for the game. It's a super quick turnaround relative to like, it just having a consistent schedule. And so the reason I started the donut tradition was one, I love donuts. I think that I would not have started a yeah. donut tradition if I did not love them, but it's just kind of like a morale booster. It's like, you see a box of donuts there, like your day is going to be better in some capacity. It was also back in 2021 when I was only interning for MLB.com and I was, you know, based, I was filling in for visiting reporters. So if Juan Sarubio, for example, that's my guy. If he didn't want to come to San Francisco for the Dodgers, I would fill in on Dodgers. And so if you like walk up to a visiting reporter, like, and just say like, Hey, I got a box of donuts, like, and just break bread in that fashion. That's a, another way to just, you know, get to know people throughout the industry. That's how I've probably met like a decent amount of people in the industry, just like walking up to them saying like, Hey, you want a donut? So much so that like people will just walk up to me now and say like, where are the donuts as, as evidence? I think it was Steven Nelson, the who works for the Dodgers. That was like first game of the Dodgers series. He's like, where's the donuts? I'm like, it's a night game, man. It's a night game. But yeah, it's my origin story. That's, there we go. It's my origin story. This is this is the big breaking news. This is coming out of this podcast. I don't think it's breaking at this point, but it is news. It's evergreen. It's enterprise. We'll pick you up. Okay. Good night, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed, for those of you who haven't subscribed yet to the DK Pittsburgh Sports podcast feed. Subscribe. I can't Hit do that. that. I don't know where the button is. Is it up here, down here, down here? I don't I, know. I, Hit the button. It costs nothing. It's free 99. You get to see this dude as frequently as possible. Even if you go on YouTube.com one day wanting to see anything but Alex Stump, you'll get him right there in your box, even though we know that's not how data works because these social media companies are out to help me. Eddie's back next week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again. Thank you to Justice Jello Santos of MLB.com. Go follow him. Too. Follow me on Twitter at Just Jello Santos. Twitter didn't allow me to put my full name in there. Thanks, Elon. Thanks for listening.